This is The Harsh Show. I'm Alex Harshaw. Thanks for listening. This week's guest is Juan Diego. In 2015, I met Juan during a visit to Atlanta, Georgia. He was introduced to me by my girlfriend at the time. I enjoyed his company, but my visit was brief, so we didn't spend much time together. Two years later, I moved to Washington, D.C. Coincidentally, Juan did too. This is where we really got to know each other. Washington, D.C. can be a very cold place. Many people I met were solely focused on advancing their careers. If you didn't have anything to offer them, they'd walk right past you. But Juan wasn't like that. Juan didn't care where I worked or which degree I had. He just liked me for who I was. And besides my girlfriend, he was the only person I considered to be an actual friend of mine. At the time of our call, Juan was only months away from receiving his degree from the New York University School of Law. This, in my opinion, placed him in an especially introspective state of mind. We talked about the influences that led him to pursue law and the uncertainties surrounding that decision. We also discussed the significance of appearances and the importance of mental health. Thanks again for listening. Welcome to episode five. Juan. You're muted. I can't hear you. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. What are your songs about? Do you have pet sort of themes that you repeat? Well, the pet theme really is, uh, you know, why worry? I mean, I mean, you can be pretty happy if you put your mind to it. I think uh, a different hairstyle, a different haircut can really make a difference on how someone views himself. Uh, yeah, Long yeah. way just to agree. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's right. You look great right now, uh, but yeah, my my, my uh, maybe I'll tell you later about the, the the point that I had. That's dude. Tell me now. This is oh, this is the time. Oh yeah, this is the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I was, I was. So when I was like, how old was I? Um, Thirteen. 12 something of that age like no probably 13 so closer closest to like you know like the middle of of, of being a teenager right yeah. like i feel like at 13 i was already uh a horny little fucker just thinking about all that stuff and like super into having the attraction of the opposite opposite sex and failing completely uh-huh. in that regard and then super susceptible to images of uh you know tv stars and <laughs> movies and <laughs> a bunch of us, all that stuff and back then like the 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 the, the fad and like the school was people trying to grow their hair their, their, grow their hair and i was in this religious school and they had this they had a bunch of rules regarding appearance right so yeah. the typical kind of stuff where like the girls cannot have their skirts um you know more than i don't know one inch 
in centimeters, like five centimeters over mm-hmm. their knees and all of that kind of things. We had to wear our shirts tucked. So like little rebellion was to wear a shirt untucked. You had to wear belts. So for some reason, my rebellion too was not wearing a belt, which is not, it's a stupid fucking, it's a stupid way of rebelling because <laughs> then your pants fall and it's just more and more uncomfortable to just be. Um, and belts are fine. Um, and I tried to grow my hair and it wasn't really working. Like my hair, even right now, it's still pretty messy. And it's like, it grows all over the place, but it has enough length that it can kind of fall. But, yeah. you know, usually when I, when I was there, uh, at that age, it was just like this, like up, going up and crazy. <laughs> and uh, did, did you watch The Simpsons? Yeah. Do you remember Sideshow Bob? Yeah, yeah. In every just, direction, all the way up. Grows on the side, exactly. That, that was, yeah, that one. Yeah, just, just like that, just over the place. So that wasn't really working. My mom used, I don't remember, like a bunch of stuff. Like she was supportive for this thing. She was like, you know what? I'm going to help you. And she had like beauty products and she would like try to put them on my hair. And she would use her iron to try to like make it straight. She had keratin and a bunch of other things that she put in my hair just to try to make it work. And nothing worked. And during one summer, I went to visit my dad. So my parents had divorced. I went to visit my dad back in Bogota. And my dad used to be a policeman. And like military policeman, so he was oh, yeah. always. And during that time, he was, he was boring. Now he has changed. Now, well, not changed. He has grown as a person, you know. Now yeah. he was even involved with like growing weed, which is pretty, which is pretty chill. I'll tell you about that later. Uh, Please do. <laughs> and uh, and and he saw me in the airport. He picked us up, my sister and I, and then he took me right to the place where he went to get his haircuts and just told the guy to just do give me a boss cut and just cut all my hair. Oh. And apparently, I don't remember this, actually. It was, it, it's my mom's recollection of it. I called my mom crying and I didn't talk to my dad for like two days because of how disappointed I was and how, how traumatic it was. So now I'm having this, 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 this like uh, rebirth of, of old teenager me with none of the, mostly none of the negative things of being a teenager. Yeah. Now at 27 and trying to let it go and trying to see how it goes, you know? And, and I think it's a little bit of a, of a, of a, of, of me rebelling against the fact that after I graduate this May, I'll be joining a super corporate law firm and, you know, I'll be going to my, my lifestyle will be, you know, uh, solid color suits, ties, mm-hmm. uh, nice polished shoes and that kind of life, which I don't mind actually. I kind of, I really like that aesthetic too. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'm going to enjoy the lifestyle as much, but the aesthetic I like, I think I'm going to look dope. I feel like now when I look at myself with like long hair, I kind of see a different type of me, you know, like a more, yeah. maybe not rebellious, but not, not fear. I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that. It, 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 it's more of like, I, I guess we sometimes as a society kind of like give traits certain or, you know, yeah, you know, assign certain traits to certain people. Sometimes they can be negative, but sometimes they can be positive. You know, like when you see a person with, uh, I don't know, their shirt, um, like a dress shirt and it's unbuttoned like to the fourth one, you're kind of like, oh, you know, that, that's usually associated with like, you know, the beach or like being somewhere free, or, like trying to exude sexiness or whatever. And I think for me, this this kind of look kind of like represented the the teenager rebellion that I was kind of talking about before. And like yeah. people that kept that look kind of like have some semblance of that spirit that you have when you're a teenager. That's that. Hi, the <laughs> thing. Uh and and, and 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 so for me I was, I was just imagining how like maybe how different my life could have could have been 
if when I was a teenager, I had actually grown my hair out as I really wanted to. And like, I mean, it, it just led me to like ridiculous and, and really dumb fats. Like for example, when I was around that age, I really wanted a piercing. Yeah. Really, really wanted a piercing. And I did, never got it. Never got it. But Dang. I remember at one point, yeah, I know, man. I know, exactly. <laughs> Fucking, I should have gotten that. Uh, who knows? I mean, just, at this point, it wouldn't matter. Uh, but I really wanted a piercing. And um, I think my mom was, she was kind of cool for, I mean, she was a pretty strict and she, she was a terrifying mother in many regards. Uh, terrifying mother. Uh, but in, in, some, in, some, in some other instances, she was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And she was also pretty young. She had me when I was when she was nineteen. So she was not, you know, there wasn't the generational difference wasn't as as big. And yeah. so she told me like, when you're fifteen, you'll get that. I'll, I'll take you, and you'll get whatever preaching you want. And I was like, okay, that's fantastic. And I really wanted. Uh, it's kind of like a spiral in this area here that goes here. That's the yeah. piercing that I wanted. So I wanted to go all in for that, um, but it never happened uh, because at fourteen we moved to the states, and then my life completely changed. Uh, but it was, it, it was, it was, it was like this, the, like for me, the idea that was forming in my head was, you know, like the friends that you make when you're younger, when you're 12, 13, 14, 15, sometimes how you connect with people at that age, uh, is due to very small little things, you know, like both of sure. you are super into the Foo Fighters and no one else is. Uh, yeah. you know, when I was 10, my closest friend to this day, uh, he's in Australia now and we still talk a lot. Uh, and we haven't seen really each other. Like I moved to the States when I was almost 15 and I've been back to Colombia a couple of times and we see each other, but that, that was it. And we're still super close friends was, uh, someone that we met because we both love Harry Potter. Right. And no nice. one else in our little course and in a little small classroom really did. And then we got another friend because we got him to read Harry Potter. So we can read the friends. So I was just thinking of. Like maybe the, 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 my network of friends that even if I don't, even if I don't see, didn't see it at the time, now I'm kind of seeing it like they had a huge influence into how I develop as, as a person, as a man, and some of the values that you take, right? Some of the good ones, some of the bad ones. And maybe if I had had the long hair, maybe I had the piercing, maybe my group of friends would have been completely different, right? And maybe yeah. that little change. I would have been, I could have been some, someone else entirely. Maybe I wouldn't be in law school right now. Maybe I would be doing something else, diff- something very different. Who knows? Um, could be positive, could be negative. I, I, I tend to think it would be uh, positive. I, you know, I, I, I mean, that doesn't change the core values that are inside of you. Right. Your life. Yeah. But there is a lot of truth to what you said. I mean, like, I think back to when I was in high school and either further back, a lot of the friends that I made were just in the same sports I was in or they lived close to me. And like, that was, I mean, we were just like around each other. And like, as time went on, we realized we didn't even have that many things in common or uh-huh. similar interest. And I mean, you know, some, to some extent people just like grow apart, but uh, yeah, just silly things like that can bring people together at that young age. And when you're an adult, you know a little more about yourself and what you like and what type of people you want to be around for various reasons. And um, stuff like your parents wouldn't make as much of a difference, but I think you're right. Like having, having your hair long, maybe you would have gotten some attention of different people and 
who knows? Who knows where you would have landed? But I will say it's uh it's pretty cool that your mom was like supportive of it while you did it. Cause I know a lot of parents would well have been more like your dad, I guess, and just had it cut down. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess. My mom was um yeah, so I was, I was telling you like she she uh she had me when she was 19. And yeah. and you know, like when I was growing up, I always I think like my my memories of her is, is when I when I think back, I still remember her pretty young, you know. Yeah. Like if I if I if I if I if I'm if I really think about it, I kind of realize like many of the things that I'm living now um, are not really comprehensible in my mom's mind because she was at this age already with two kids, um, living by herself and trying to figure things out. But she had a pretty young spirit in general, and then she would you know she would come home and uh she would go and get her hair done and it would be red uh, nice. and, and it looked pretty cool i remember the photos and it looked pretty cool and it wasn't like she was being rebellious or anything i think that was the fashion in colombia uh who knows how fashion developed there uh yeah. but that was that was the fashion there and she would have her hair like that and you know in 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 in, in, in i think and i think also she had to be a counterbalance to my father who was you know, in another city, uh, and they were divorced, and it was a bunch of other things. But she knew that he was this uh, military type guy that had different uh, rules and, and and things. And 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 I think it was also a way to uh, assert her authority. Like, you know, you guys live with me, not with your dad. You can do yeah. that kind of stuff because you're with me. You know, difference of that sort. That's that story reminds me of not my parents, but my father's parents. Uh-huh. My grandmother had my dad and my aunt at a young age, and then she ended up, well, she split with a guy who, uh, my biological grandfather, but she ended up being with uh, an older military guy. And there was that same balance of, you know, younger, more free spirit versus like rigid military outlook. And it's not something I, uh, I get to talk about a lot with my, my family, but it's something that's been coming up more lately. We've been looking through old books and uh, photos and stuff. And it's, it's interesting how common that, that combination occurs, it, at least in my, in my perspective, it seems like that happens more often. I suppose. How, how are your, your parents when you, were, when you were a teenager? My parents, when I was a teenager, it was rough there was times where i thought they were going to split mm-hmm. and um a lot there's a lot of stuff that i like know about but i haven't went back to talk to them and revisited uh and during that time i was pretty depressed and my self-esteem was trash and my grades were terrible and I wasn't really doing anything like heinous, mm-hmm. but I just, I was depressed. I was just, I didn't really have much energy to put it into anything that I was supposed to be doing to the point that like I became ineligible for sports and I just started like shunning my friends away and I'm just kind of stay at home all the time. And I think some of that, it was like a vicious cycle. Some of me failing was causing stress for their marriage. And I think some of the 
arguments and troubles that we had in the household was bumming me the fuck out. Uh, but uh, it got better over time. They're still together. And um, looking back, they, they were always great to me. I have no complaints about my parents. But um, yeah, there, there were some rough patches during those teenage years. Yeah. I see. When, when, when do you think, um, was there a turning point, I guess? Like that, 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 you know, start, maybe you start feeling better or uh, I, I've seen pictures of you in the football team and you, you looked, I don't know, like I, I would guess like a, like a sophomore junior maybe. So when, when and I mean, I know you went to college, so you, you, mm -hmm. you had to pick up your grades at one point. Yeah. I, I picked them up in college. I think everything started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's funny, this is stuff I, I think about every now and then, but some of it I just like let let it be. But um I became eligible to play sports again in my junior year. So I guess you could say that would be the beginning of the turning point. But the thing is, I've not been able to identify what it was that brought me out of my rut. And um Even once I, I got my grades high enough, I mean, like, that's bare minimum. I, I had I was above, like, a 1.3 GPA to play sports again. Okay. So, outstanding. But, <laughs> so, like, even after that, I was still, like, in a swamp. And then I just kind of rolled that way until I graduated high school. And then you had to find a college. There's... At, at the time, there was like no option to even consider. It didn't even uh, occur to me to like take a year off or anything like that. But at the same time, I didn't know I wanted to go to school for. I didn't know which school I wanted to go to. I was really bad about like getting my transcript ready and like reaching out to colleges and writing letters. While everybody was doing that, like in the spring of my senior year, mm -hmm. I was just like hanging out with my friends and stuff. Uh, which landed me in a school called Wright State University in Fairborn, Ohio. And um, their acceptance rate is super high. So any, basically anybody can get in. It's a great school, but uh, their policy is very open-minded like that. Mm -hmm. But when I was there, I realized uh, I didn't want to be. And I was just there because I had been living my life on this autopilot thing. And I think that's when I started to really get into gear hmm. and try pulling myself up because I was like, this isn't, how did I end up here? Basically is what I ended up saying to myself. And I was like, I gotta, I'm gonna have to declare a major. I needed to decide if I even want to be at the school and So like around 2011, 2012, I started being who I am now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. That's a, that's a, that's a big statement. because I, 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 I kind of wonder who you were then before, <laughs> like, you know, like if I had, if you could go in a time machine, if I had met you, like you'd be a completely different person. Like, I don't know, you know, like, would we be friends? Who knows? I mean, I feel like we would, but 
I'm I'm pretty sure we would. And it's not like I was a totally different person. A lot of my friends I have now were friends with me back then. And I think they would agree that I'm at the root still the same person. I think I just have my shit together more than I did. Like I'm still spiritually, I'm still like kind-hearted and considerate and uh other positive adjectives. But now I can be responsible and I have more determination and uh, I'm more conscious of what I'm doing, where I'm going, that type of thing. So I think we we would definitely still be friends. And I wish we were all the way back then. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would have been nice. Uh, so I had, I had mm-hmm. two other follow-up questions. Like that sure. has occurred. Yeah. Uh, did you know back then that you were depressed or is that something that you kind of realize after the fact i realized after the fact right absolutely i had no idea what was going on and it wasn't until like multiple years it wasn't like right after i got out of it i looked back at it at least three four years after i graduated high school and i realized that's what was going on (laughs) yeah no, that, that, that's interesting. And I, I, I asked it just mainly because I, I think um, that, that when you realized it way earlier than this, but I think right now there's a, there's a growing consciousness yeah. of, of awareness of mental health that I don't think uh, was present before. Uh, you know, like, I don't know, like at least for myself, I think I, I've, 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 I've been more active towards uh, self-care when it comes to, to my mental well-being. Um, but I, I think that only really become pre- became a, an important part of of, 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 of my day to day life uh, when I started law school versus before. I think before, um, either through different coping mechanisms or just denial and just accepting things as they were and and, 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 and thinking that you could just roll with the punch. I I I I, I was fairly dismissive of that. Yeah. Uh, at least with regards to my to myself, you know. Like it was, it was one of the things where like I was, I was, uh, I was an RA in college. So like, you know, we had to do these presentations for my, uh, for my residents of, of the, of the, of, 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 of the, uh, of the hall that I supervised. And you would tell them about the uh, student mental health services, whatever. Now, and I would, I would say the speech, but I was like, you know, never really considered. I was like, ah, you know, I'm fine. But there were times where I was like, you know, go to, going to bed and like being so freaking lonely and, thinking now that I think about it, like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck was I thinking of, yeah. of, of, of these weird ideas of, uh, uh, yeah, no, just, just this conception of loneliness and self-worth that would have been so great to explore with someone. Um, yeah. that would probably be some manifestation of anxiety, uh, maybe even some slight depression, who knows? Uh, and, you know, I, and I think, I think one of the good things that is happening right now is that maybe we, 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 we just have more time to, to think about it or at least have the desire or at least the stigma of, of, of mental health uh, issues is not as much as it was before. And that now you can f- freely talk to people about it and, and, and don't feel like you're being uh, judged or that you're exposing a deep weakness in yourself. Do you have, do you have a therapist? Do you, do you speak to a psychologist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. With, yeah. With, with the law school, they provide one for free. That's fantastic. And we, yeah, which is, I mean, I guess for free, not really, because you pay tuition and that's supposed to be included in that, but it, it, it's, 
you know, there's one of those things where it's kind of nice when it's already included in the package. So like the the the, the transaction costs don't seem that high. You just yeah. go through the motion and, and and go through it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I started doing that uh, my first year of law school just because I felt like the the academic load and the feelings of inadequacy and you know like feeling like an imposter among a bunch of really intelligent folks uh, yeah, I, I was just you know like a lot of self-doubt and so i started to talk, talk to someone from the from that that the, that the school provided and you know it's been pretty useful now i think um you know i talk to her like every month or so for now yeah. sometimes nothing to, to, to really say sometimes they're really big things to say and yeah it's been great it's been great i wonder how uh, I wonder how I'm going to adapt afterwards after I graduate. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like now that that's when you have to pay for the really expensive one. And that's not, I think, I think when I, when I, when I have to pay for something out of pocket, that's when I get dissuaded from doing almost anything. <laughs> yeah. Even at though heart, a cheap you're act- huh? at heart, I'm still a cheap bastard, man. <laughs> frugal you're financially frugal I, there you go <laughs> yeah i um i'm so glad they provide that i mean you're not going to an easy law school either right you're nyu that's not yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if there's i don't know i don't know if there are easy law schools to be honest no. the way they teach um but you know yeah what about you? Have you been? Have you? Have, do you? Do you talk to 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 the therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists? I've had one. I had one when I lived in North Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. which was I left North Carolina right at the beginning of the pandemic. I've been there since two thousand and eighteen. But what's funny is I was advised to get one by a mentor that I met in New York during an internship in 2014 mm-hmm. and it always stuck in my head to do it, but I guess it was somewhat, I didn't know how to approach it. Like what do I just hit Google and figure it out? Uh, I didn't have, I didn't really have a direct, I was still in school when I got that advice. And so that means I wasn't, I guess I was on my parents' health insurance, but I didn't have like a network to even look into to figure out this kind of stuff. And um, I digress. And 2018, however, 2018 was me moving to North Carolina to start a new job. And with that move, I, I considered it a occasion to restart my life in a few ways, because I had a lot of freedom that I didn't have. I'm not gonna freedom's a bit much, but I didn't have any connections or commitment. Like I was starting with a completely clean slate. It was my first time living by myself in an apartment in this whole new place where I only knew a couple of people. So when I went down there, I was like, all right, when I get down there, I'm gonna do all these things that I've been putting off. And uh, really give them a try. I'm going to throw some money at it. I don't really care. These are things that have been like in my little journal for half a decade. I need to get started on this. One was like performing stand-up comedy more like regularly instead of sporadically per month. Like uh, I was just being like exercise. One was like 
really getting down and learning Spanish. And one was like talking to a therapist about some uh, anxiety, like a, a trigger that I've been trying to get over, which is like related to anatomy stuff. However, uh, it was really good timing that I did that because uh, my job, I got really stressed out at. And so while I was going there, going through behavioral therapy, I was able to like tell him what was going on at work. Mm-hmm. And he helped me to like unknot where my priorities were and what I actually want out of life, what I want my career to be. And uh, before I was, I ended up being laid off from that job, the one that was stressing me out. Uh, before I even left, I was already considering leaving. I didn't feel like I was a fit there anymore. And all those experiences together brought me to the path that I'm on now. So I'm glad it all happened. And I would like to have another therapist now, but I don't feel it's as crucial as it was when I was down there. Hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, you know, the way you narrate it seems like a very conscious decision to do that. And it seems like you were definitely on a, on a, on a, on a path of, of growth, right? Where you're like conscious, like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to a new place. New place, I'm aware there's going to be challenges. I'm aware I have things that, that have um, affected me before. Let's try to, to make, let's try to, to, to work through these issues. Yeah. I think, I think it's really, I think, it, I think it's impressive in general. I think it requires a lot of introspection to, to do that in, uh, as a person in general. You know, like you need, like sometimes I feel like it's easier to just deny things and just push them away, you know? Yeah. That, you know, it's all, it's all in your head, whatever, it's going to be fine. You've figured things out. Uh, you can work harder. You can do something else that's different and, and, and things, things will be fine. You don't need to, to go through that shit. But, you know, it's in, it, it definitely helps. Definitely yeah, helps. Yeah. Even, even, if, even, even if sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes I don't feel like it helps that much. But even it's, it's um, as a cathartic experience, you know, talking to someone that you don't really have to, um, I don't know, like one of the biggest things that I found out was that it wasn't really having a conversation with someone. It was more like this person was just going to listen to you and you yeah. don't really have to care about how they are or how their day has been or anything like that. They don't even want to tell you about that stuff. Yeah. And you can just share their, your shit and they have to listen. And uh, man, it feels like a really hard job to do that. Uh, and they do it well. At least mine does, does it really well. But I only had one. Yeah. Uh, so I have no, <laughs> I had no benchmark. I have no idea how to compare her, but I like her a lot. They're professional listeners. And a lot of people that you've run into, people that love and care about you, cannot listen to the professional level that these people can perform and not only that they're good at listening and then they think of questions that actually help you to unravel what what you're talking about they're genuinely listening and then providing constructive questioning to help you get through what you're going through i really cannot uh say good enough things about enough good things about these people i think they're very undervalued in society but i think that value is rising yeah for sure for sure, for sure. all right let's take a quick break here uh i want to know about this mm-hmm. what are you doing how many people are you talking to uh about this. about this yeah yeah i like your setup it looks legit the thanks 
looks yeah i know you look it looks like the real thing let me show you the rest of it it's just like it's got this little (laughs) is that Uh i'm in my bedroom there it is are you back uh are are you like is your bedroom like back in your like um childhood home or where are you no i'm in columbus ohio i was born in springfield Mm -hmm. uh i was just at my parents over the weekend actually they're still in that house but this is where i've been living since august with three of my friends and i moved here to start my career in tv and tell or tv and television film and television uh working as a production assistant initially which is basically like the onset intern uh-huh and uh I am now working my way, focusing more on audio recording, being the audio person for commercials and movies, television shows, that type of thing. And simultaneously, I am pursuing a career in voice acting. I'm trying to do the narration for commercials, but eventually getting to a point where I'm your son's favorite cartoon character or uh i'm in the new i'm in halo 5 or something like that uh-huh but that's kind of the elevator pitch of what i'm up to at these days okay the, okay so the podcast but if you can call this a podcast this started because i um i came to a realization over quarantine that i follow and am followed by so many people on instagram that either i knew and haven't spoken to in a long time or people that I am still close with, but I could know better. Mm-hmm. Something about the idea that everyone's connected on social media and like you can see what they have for lunch every day and all that stuff, but you still don't know who they are. That that tripped me out. So I decided while I have all this equipment and free time during the pandemic, um, I would just reach out to these people and record it. It's just kind of a project that I'm doing. Okay. Well, I like the concept. I actually really like the concept. Thanks. And I mean, I think, man, I'm, I'm happy for you. Like, I think, I think the idea of you turning into a voice actor, that seems fitting. You have a great <laughs> voice. You have a great presence as well. Thank you. Uh, there, damn. All right. Look at that. <laughs> Listen to that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I remember I saw a picture of you holding one of those microphones in some set and thought that was pretty cool. And and you were during that time in DC, I remember you were trying a bunch of different stuff. I remember you were trying stand up com- stand-up comedy. Um and I think you were also going into into another into a different artistic avenue. But like finding a, a set path wasn't wasn't a certainty, right? Uh, right. No, I, I mean, and, and it, it's great that you have a, a, an, an idea of of, of 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 what you want to pursue and follow. Thanks. I told you, I agree. It. Go for it. Thank you. It it it's funny because I hold on. I might as well. I have these journals and notebooks that I write stuff on and I was looking back at some of the older stuff and it's a lot of the stuff that I already 
what I'm doing now are, are things that I considered years ago. And it wasn't until now that I built up the strength to do it because what I'm doing is so far from the traditional career path that I felt I needed to follow. And I had a lot of excuses of why not to do these things. I wanted to be on salary Hmm. and health insurance is pretty sexy. And, um, then on top of that, I knew how competitive these kind of industries that I wanted to get into, how how competitive they are. So I was like, if I'm not a hundred percent all about this, um, it's probably not going to work out. Also, if I haven't been doing this for X amount of years in the past, like I should have been started when I was 14, uh, is the kind of stuff that I would tell myself. So I was like, there's, I might as well not do that. And then somewhere in DC, I think it was when I was, I mean, I just took 10 jobs in DC. I didn't have a job the whole time I was there. Uh, I started considering maybe trying some of the stuff on the side and seeing if nothing else I could do as a hobby. I was just kind of like dipping my toes in and then after I left DC, what was the order this happened? After I left DC, I started doing more reflecting and soul searching at my parents' place. And I think I was arriving to where I am now, but then I got the phone call uh, from a colleague of mine in North Carolina. A colleague as in, yeah, we literally went to college together. And she referred me for a job. So I took all this hippy dippy meditation stuff. I shoved it to the side. I put on my suit figuratively. And I went down to take this next salary job without thinking if it was what was a good fit for me. I'm the, I was the type of person to just take an opportunity if it was presented to me. And that dictated a lot of stuff in my life. One of the big topics I talked to my therapist about actually. Um, but once I got laid off there in North Carolina and I came back to Ohio again, it's like, it's as if when I left DC, my loading bar was like at 90% and then I stopped and I paused it while I was in North Carolina. And then when I came back, it just went all the way to a hundred and I decided to go for what I'm doing now. Hey man, we all have to find ourselves into different journeys, you know? And it's nuts. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is. And there's people that, myself included, that I think, you know, you, you that you go through the motion of things and you think you have a plan and you kind of follow that plan for a little bit. Um, but, you know, like that, the general principle that's guiding your life is pretty loose in some ways, you know? And yeah. it's, it's mainly because I think things make sense when you look back at them. Then then that's that's the point where you can connect the dots and and, and, and create a logical map. But as you're doing things, and I'm, sometimes I'm very jealous of folks that have a clear idea of what they want to be when they're yeah. like 19, 18, 16, whatever. Uh, and then at the same time, I think there's also folks that seem that they have that idea, but it's not particularly accurate. It, it, it is more, and then they follow it and you think that they actually know what they're doing, but they're not. It's just like they had that. Like, for example, for myself, I, I think when I was younger, 
I I thought I wanted to be a lawyer mainly because the one person, the, the, the figure in my house that had financial stability was a lawyer. So I thought like, oh, well, that seems to be the best way to do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but not, not really consider any of the aspects of the job. And it was also one of those things where like, oh, well, he's a smart. I'm smart, relatively smart. Let's follow that, 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 that pattern, see where that goes, right? Um, and then and, and you kind of go through that and, 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 and at one point, then, and then you realize that you're going through the motions and, and eventually you have to narrow down and, and figure out what you really want to have, right? Or, or, or opposite of that, you go through salary jobs and then realize that maybe your passion is something that you have to engage in a hobby, right? So you, you work in order to be able to want, want, maintain your lifestyle, maintain your family, maintain the people that you care about and to be able to have that free time and, and the resources to do the thing that legitimately makes you happy. And that, that, that doesn't mean that what you do as a job makes you sad, right? Yeah. It can just be something that's neutral, you know? Yeah. Nothing special, nothing bad. Um, yeah, because I mean, I think the concept of finding a passion as a job, is, 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 it, it's, it's fucking daunting, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like how, yeah, I mean, how do you do that? Like, I mean, in, a, in artistic ways, like through the arts, I, 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 can, I can see more of the connection of that. Uh, but like, I don't know, like, I mean, I'm assuming they are, but are the people that dream of, being Wall Street analysts and they know that what they want to do is crunch numbers the whole time. Maybe, I mean, I, I feel like they do, yeah. but if I feel like what they want is the money that comes with it, not really the process of doing that. But I mean, I'm sure there are actually people that might be happy with that. Um, so all in all, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad you had this this, this, this this realization or you had a lot of introspection to, to, to pursue this. Uh, go for Thank it, you. man. Go hard at it. Thank I believe you. in you. I think you have the talent. Thanks. I'm and giving it a shot, man. Giving it a shot, you know. And and you know, also I think I think right now we're making it sound as if, as if as if as if it were de- definitive. Things can change, you know. I have okay. to say this uh this interview compared to the other ones is um a lot less scripted, and I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I I love it. I mean, we haven't talked in so long. It, it, it's 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 good to 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 hear back from you uh and to have a conversation and i maybe you feel this thing sometimes too where as an adult especially when you have like actual physical distance from friends it's hard to keep up with them you know yeah and to like actually make the effort to actually talk to them you know and and i and i I have had that with so many friends where i'm like you know, like from time to time, I will see something on Instagram and then I'll comment on their stuff, right? And then like, oh yeah, I hope you're doing great. We have to catch up soon. And I, and I mean it at that moment, right? Yeah. But then life happens and then you never fucking catch up, right? And I don't know. I don't know. Like it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's not that hard to find an hour in your day, really. But, it, but at, the, at the same time, it is. Like you get distracted with the minutia of just living mm-hmm. and of the moment that you're in of, and of, of doing the things, doing the tasks at hand and, the, and fulfilling the responsibilities that you have. And I don't know. Well, the, the whole point is that physical distance plays such a huge part. And I wish we had talked earlier. Uh, yes. I wish we had talked earlier. But you know, after the, after this is done, uh, I feel like you will come to New York. So I think New York is in your path one way or another. Uh, it's something I'm considering. Okay. It, it is something I'm definitely considering. Uh, I. Th- 
think since I'm so, wait a minute, before I start talking about me again, I think. Um, oh, go for it, buddy. I think some of this, some of that is adulthood, you know, um, your time just becomes so damn valuable. Uh, picking when and who to reach out to can be difficult. And like you said, you can reach out to someone and genuinely be like, ah, I would, I would love to see you again, but it's, I mean, there's work and a lot of people our age have kids now and, and they're like far away and it's not like you dislike the people. It's just, it's, it's like a cost value thing. And as mean as it sounds like in a weird way, the cost does not weigh the value of like stopping what you're doing and, and, and calling people up. And that's not to say that you don't like them, but like, it's more, it is more of an effort versus them being next door when you can like Kramer slide into the room yeah. and just be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. Uh, and sure. like a relationship like ours, I have, I'm a big fan of yours as well. I think um, if we had met in middle school, we would we would have stayed friends this entire time. We would be keeping up more often. But I think the fact that when we met, we only had a limited time to hang out, even though we got along great when we did hang out. Once we split, I think there's less initiative to prioritize keeping up with each other, even though we you know, even though we got along so well, and that's nothing against you or nothing against me. Yeah. It's just, again, time is limited. And it takes, it takes honest effort to keep in touch with people. Um, so as unintentionally me as it sounds, we become lower on each other's list and you can only keep up with so many people, but, um, Again, if we were like next door neighbors, we'd talk all the time. But this is something that I'm actively, even after this whole podcast is over, I'm going to try to keep closer in touch with you and anybody else that I've talked to during this experience. And uh, maybe I succeed, maybe I won't, but I'm going to give it a shot. Well, you know what? It's I think I think this the uh, I had this comment made from a friend. Was it was in 2014. It was this old couple that I became really good friends with. Well, not they were not old. What the fuck am I calling them old? At that, at, at that <laughs> point, I think I was 21, and they were like 30. And My 30 age 20. now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so at that point, they felt so mature and old. Uh, they were just like gorgeous. They were so fucking hot. The two of them. They were this mm-hmm. Spanish couple. I met them when I was living in Brazil, and they became like, really close friends. Yeah. And it was like, a, it was such an easy relationship just to hang out with the two of them because they had like different personalities. The guy was this dude that was so handsome, but like so down to earth and like cool to hang out with. So you kind of like saw him a little bit like the kind of person that you would like to be, especially when you're like, when you're younger. So you're like, yeah. oh man, I, I wish I could grow up to be like him. But at the same time, he had a bunch of other of negative characteristics as well. And he was kind of telling me like, you know, like 
you're the kind of friend that I, f- I feel like if we don't talk in five years, we're going to talk back and just connect and just be it'll fine. Be fine. And it'll, it'll be fine. And I'm like, you know what? That, 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 that's definitely right. And sometimes, sometimes it's like that with some people, you know, like you just have a good connection with folks and you can just go back and talk to them and, you know, and, and just be fine. Just be good. Just, just connect in a different level. Cause sometimes with, with more constant friends, a lot of the initial conversation is just gossip back about what the other friends in your group are doing. Or the people yeah. that you know from back in the day are doing that kind of thing, and you know sometimes when you don't have that, you just go into deeper issues if you can, which is which is also great, which is really great too. Um, and I was gonna say something else, and I completely forgot what my other point was. Uh, yeah, never mind. If I if I if I think of it, <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it up later. Okay. So That's what fine. is the what is the scripted uh, structure of your interview? I take questions that are linked to the survey that you sent me. Mm-hmm. Things that I'm genuinely curious about, either about you or things that are like stuff that I just want to know in my life that anybody could answer, but I'm interested in your answer. Like if if I knew you were into like this is the geekiest example I can think of. If I knew you were into building PCs, I would ask you like tips and opinions on how to do that before I got started building my own. But then there are other questions. Like I have questions related to uh, you coming to the States from Columbia and what that experience was like, which is very specific to you versus my previous example. Mm. And I got... One page is this on the second half of my screen. I'm really showing you how the hot dog's made in this whole thing right now. Oh, oh I want to know. That's what I asked, for sure. Yeah. I got, if I had to guess, about 25 just kind of random questions based around the categories that you listed. I wasn't very helpful with those categories because everything was like, ah, that seems kind of interesting. I think you had one that was like cars. I'm like, oh, you know, I kind of like Formula One. I'm going to say yes to cars. And I'll talk about Formula One, if anything. You had a bunch of, yeah, you had, you had so many categories that I, I think for most of them, I was like, yeah, kind of interested, interested, interested. I don't take that over the opposite. I interviewed <laughs> someone who like liked two things, <laughs> which was surprising. I wouldn't have guessed he would have did that before he did it, but I looked uh-huh. at it almost made me nervous about going into the conversation. I was like, boy, I'm going to have to talk more than just these two things. And I hope he doesn't flip out about that for any reason. But it was a great interview. I think that was two episodes ago. Uh-huh. And yeah, I, I, people have different approaches to service in general. You know, like maybe some folks think like the only things that I could actually put the most favorable. I don't remember exactly how, you, how the survey was. But if I can take and choose to talk about it, are things that I actually know just in case to be safe. Yeah. You know? for my own self-assurance um, yeah. because if you had asked me something about cars in general i would just not be able to answer <laughs> your shit i don't drive i barely drive uh i'd only drive when i have to drive you actually didn't list anything about cars i could uh <laughs> i can tell you the your response if you if you're interested sure what was my response on cars let's see uh automos was a maybe Oh, okay. The scale is super yes, yes, maybe, no, super no. Okay, it was a maybe. Okay, okay. And you said no and super no to nothing. 
Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. That's the in, that's the mind of an indecisive person. You can see yourself indecisive. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? On certain occasions, you know, depends on the circumstances. That's the only thing I learned from law school. Just answer everything with a with a with an mm. depends. I just don't give a definitive answer to anything. Always had your answers. Uh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm sure I taught that in the first uh, first day of class. For sure, for sure, for sure. Actually, one of my professors explicitly said that the right answer is usually it depends for the for the test, and then you have to actually make a decision. You know, then yeah. it actually gets you actually have a recommendation, and you actually are supposed to have an opinion. Yeah, you don't get away yeah. with, with with just always being in the gray area. Uh, but you know, this brings up something. Again, uns unscripted. This is a unprecedented interview. Uh, but I never thought too much about law school. And it's not just studying law books. There has to be some psychology involved, right? Like how dealing with the people that you're defending and I'm not going to say mind trick, but I'm sure there's some psychological stuff that allows you to be more effective in your role. Do, do they, am I right by assuming that? Do they teach that kind of thing? No. No? No, not at all, to be honest. Really? So it really is more, what, what is it? What do you, what are you doing in a darn school? What am I, what are we doing there? Um, <laughs> no, no, they definitely, I mean, I guess to some extent, they kind of try to inculcate the idea of active listening. Mm -hmm. and try to understand what people want and try to understand what the client is usually an abstract figure or, or the party you're representing wants or what the position was and what the position of the other person would be. Um, but no, you never really learn any, any, any psychology or anything of that sort uh, or, or explore deeper than you need to understand what yeah. they, they're saying. Uh, That's the, interesting. Yeah, most of the education is is based on the idea of teaching you how to think, I guess. Uh, so, you know, you go through, through different substantive classes and you never learn, this is not something that they teach you, and you never learn what the law says about something in particular. That's not something that you, you learn in, in school. You might learn it for the bar exam, uh, but that's something that professors tend to diminish and say like, you know what, that's, that's something that anyone can learn. You need to learn how to think. You need to learn what the development of the law has been. And, 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 and I mean, here in the States, it's, it's based on case law. So it's usually based on what the judges had or how judges have interpreted a specific law based on, on certain facts. And you need to kind of understand how that has grown and how that could grow in order for you to be a good advocate for, 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 for your client. So it, it, it's all based on, 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 on this idea of, Law school teaches you how to how to how to how to teach about different issues, and then you apply that once you're out. Uh, which all leads to the fact that even though this is a professional school, after three years of education, um, law graduates are pretty useless in most regards when it comes to practice, mm. because the actual practicing of law comes from actually advocating, and you get some 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 some. Some um, some experience in clinics in, in different matters, uh, 
you know, but from the things that you learn, you don't really know how to do it. You don't really understand how to actually apply it in the real world until after you have graduated and you're working for someone and, and someone teaches you. And that's usually the business model of law firms. You come in as a first year associate and, or, I mean, I'm talking about the big law firms and then, then they teach you how to do stuff. And then you, you put, a, put on a shit ton of hours, put on a shit ton of effort, and eventually you become a good, <laughs> a good lawyer. And they trust that you're smart enough to learn all this stuff. And, you know, that's, that's, that's how it works, I guess. Um, which is, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess it kind of makes sense, I suppose. I don't know. I, I don't know how other professions work. I feel like as an accountant, you probably know more of the things that you're going to be applying when you actually work. Yeah. Than as a lawyer, because as a lawyer, I think you have to, I think pretty much every single lawyer has to research, uh, a lot and doesn't really know what the law is when they're going with a case. They just have to go and double check, but they have to trust their intuition and, and they have to trust that the way they were taught how to think is the, is the correct way to go with it or, or that the mentors will show them how to. Uh, but that's a, that's, a, that's a subject that's interesting. I don't even know if I want to be a lawyer. That's, a, that's, a, that, that's the bigger subject out of all of this. That uh, is a bigger subject. <laughs> I'm just going through with this, in the, with this motion right now. I think I think when we met in DC, well, no, no, we didn't meet in DC. When we met in, 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 in Atlanta, really, you know, I was in this world of NGOs, of not-for-profit institutions. And I really wanted that as my career. In the, in, 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 and, 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 and you made me at an interesting point in my life because I think back then I was just realizing that I was competent in a professional mm. setting, even though it was yeah. an internship. You know, it was one of those things where before that, like my experiences were pretty limited. Some internships in 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 in, in in college, uh, you know, like menial jobs that you take when you're an undergrad to, to, to finance yourself. So I work at a library and it was just, you know, shelving books, helping people get books, mm-hmm. finding books for them. That was kind of the thing. It was a great job, by the way, because I was sitting all day in a computer, like talking to people. And it, was, it was very relaxed. I could do homework. It was a fantastic job. Uh, you know, I work as a server a little bit too. Um, but like when I started doing my thing at the at the Carter Center, it was when I started realizing that, oh man, I actually, you know, this is interesting. I kind of kind of apply these weird things that I learned from my policy classes that I that are really hard to <laughs> to 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 write or, or to transform or not to transform to to um, to express in a in a in a in a resume. You know, like what usefulness does someone that writes that majors in policy has for uh, you know, actual jobs where you need to crunch numbers or you need to do something else. It's really hard to like, I mean, apparently they do, but like hard, hard skills, to, you mean? Yeah. What hard skills do you actually have? Yeah. Uh, pretty much none. And then, then I realized that there were some that, that I had, they're still hard to verbalize, but I, I still had stuff. And, 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 and it made me feel really good about myself in many ways. And through that, you know, it, it was, then it started the, 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 the terrible time of being unemployed and having to look for a job and having to hustle to get a job. Uh, so after, after Atlanta, I moved back to Florida for a bit yeah. with my parents during that time. I was working a law firm as a legal assistant that, that was not a great job. It was like poorly paid and it was, in, but, but, but while all in all now I look back at it and it was kind of interesting, but at the same time, it was just applying everywhere, applying, applying everywhere and getting nothing and applying, applying everywhere. I remember I, uh, and, and you know, when I would get like interviews in DC or New York, I had to fly because they wouldn't sponsor your flight or anything. So it was just like, you know, I, I was working to save money so I could fly to these places to like hustle and get the opportunity to be here. 
Yeah. And yeah, you know, it was, it was, it, it, it was a lot of effort to do that. And I remember one, one friend told me like, here, just put, just put, just put your address. Like someone, if you have a friend in like New York, just put the address as, as a, pretend that you're a New York city resident and then you will get your call. And it was mm-hmm. true. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Isn't that Ab- crazy? Absolutely fucking true. And then it became this thing of, then you had a level of stress because, oh, well, you know, they really want to interview me Friday and it's a Tuesday. <laughs> so now yeah. I'm going to have to pay a premium on my flight to get mm-hmm. there for something that I might not get. And most of the time I didn't get. So, you know, going through that and trying to figure out what was happening. Um, and I don't know how I got to this, to this, but well, anyway, the point is that I think when I was applying to, to a bunch of jobs, uh, I kind of got into a crossroad where like, if I get a job at an, at, a, at an NGO that I like, if I get an yeah. offer, I'm going to take it. But at the same time, I always had this idea about law school. And if I get a job at a good law firm, which I was also applying to, uh, and it seems something that, that, that might be enjoyable, then I'm going to take it. And that's the first thing that hit. It was, it was, it was, it was the firm I was working in, in DC. Yeah. Um, which all in all ended up being a pretty good experience. Uh, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad I went through that. Uh, but, you know, like now going through school, when I was working at that firm, I, I kind of realized that I could see myself being out here. So I went through this process. Uh, going through school and me being at the end of it and knowing that my professional life is starting soon. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do for the rest of my life or, or at least it's not, at least I don't want to do it in a corporate setting and corporate setting. I mean like in a big law firm setting maybe. And, and, sure. and, 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 you know, like right now I'm just trying to, to, to find new avenues or like yeah. at least prepare myself to, to the point where I can find new avenues. Cause I know that the first years of my career are just going to be, developmental and formative because I, I will know shit and I need to to I need the mentorship and I need the training to to be an actual good lawyer and to actually translate the skills and the effort that I'm putting in right now into something that I could that I could that I could use for yeah. I don't know you know uh, I think a lot about being back in this year I think a lot about uh, working in, in, in international development uh, I think a lot about impact investing uh, and we'll see what happens with that but what, 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 what I'm sure of is that I think in five years, my career might look very different to what it's going to look in one. Yeah. And I'm likely going to do a lot of uh, twists and turns to, to get to a point where I'm really comfortable and, 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 and fulfilled professionally. Uh, no, who knows what happened with that. And how did we get to this conversation? I have no idea how I got to talking about this. <laughs> I'd have to rewind the video. I can't. I, mean, I don't even know if I want to be a lawyer. That's a, that's a, that, that's the bigger subject out of all of this. I, I don't think I don't think listeners want to learn about want to hear about law school. This is fascinating. No, it is fascinating. Oh, jeez, man. I also want to say that it's astounding that you're not sure if this is what you want to do. But again, NYU is no joke. Law school is no joke. Those two things separately are no joke. But you're getting through with it. You're almost done with it. When a lot of people would maybe drop out or just take time off or like either the grades would suffer become of all this. But you you have enough drive to be like, I don't know if this is for me, but I'm going to finish it. 
and then I'm going to decide what's next. I, I applaud you for that. No, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, I think I'm going to mention this when you said, like, I don't see you in, like, a tight cubicle or something like that. Uh, I hope I know I'm not. Uh, <laughs> at least I want to have a nice office. Who knows? Uh, yeah. this, if I'm going to sell out, at least I want to be materialistic as hell. Uh, enjoy the things that happened before. <laughs> uh, you deserve a you deserve a corner office with windows uh, at minimum. Oh man, uh, fuck! That, that that brings up a memory. So when I'm when I oh, fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna write. I'm being a little bit too scatterbrained. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write down the thing that the other point that I want to bring up. Um, sure. And then I'm gonna. I love this. I'm just going to tell this little story that I'm remembering. Okay. Uh, so my first job in the States, I was uh, pretty much a janitor. Yeah. Uh, what, like 15 or so? And it was through a friend, this guy. He was also a Colombian immigrant. Uh, this guy who at the time, I, I look at him and he was, I was this scrawny, like the same height as I am right now, so 6'1". I was like, scrawny, what are you talking about? One. 45 pounds so like got it long just like a straw like the wind will take me and i will just woo, just move around and this other guy was also tall but like big and and, and kind of cool i became friends with him and he kind of started me like hey let's work out together i'm like yeah sure so i'll just be like his little sidekick but he was I, I never really actually got the muscles but i still did it and it was kind of fun and and his <laughs> and, and, and his mother worked like cleaning a building and they needed some people to to, to help clean the floors and i ended up um just just helping with, with 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 one of the buildings and i was giving like i don't know the six and seven floor and those were the floors that i had to clean so we went there at night it was usually like from six to 12 or it was it was some schedule of of, of some something of that something like that we went we we vacuumed we uh we cleaned the desk we did all this stuff and and the place that i had to clean was a law office really? and yeah it was a freaking law office and that place looked so majestic like I, I still remember it, and it looks so freaking elegant. Um, I think I, I went back to 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 like determine what kind of law firm it was not too long ago, and it was it was a relatively small one, not that important one. But I remember like in my like to waste time while I would where I would clean, I would just sit in the offices and like read the magazines yeah. that they had, and, like look at the diplomas and look at all these things. And then you would get to the corner offices, and some of them were super nice. Some of those people had like that little. Um, like crystal jar with like M&Ms or candies that some people have and some of the right. secretaries would have the same. So every place that I would go, I would just take one and eat it and just sit there and enjoy it. Uh, I don't think at that time I was listening to podcasts or anything of that, but I would, I, I'm sure I was listening to music or, or, or something else. And that, that was like my routine to go to those places. So it's pretty intense for me to think that there would, might be a future where I would be in one of those offices. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny how life goes. Uh, so anyway, that was the story. But the other thing that I was going to mention, and I wrote it down, is I feel like I'm pretty good at code switching in places. Like if, if I'm an, in a very formal place, I will just, you know, not that I will change my personality, but I can, I, I, I would adapt to whatever it is that people are doing, you know, and like make a conscious effort to, I don't know if imitate, but at least uh, conform to the general behavior that people are exhibiting. You know, yeah. and I, don't, I don't know if you feel that that has happened to you in, in, yeah. in instances. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and sometimes I, I feel like it's, 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 I think it has worked for me as a good adaptive strategy. 
for many things. Uh, but I also fear that maybe in some instances it has also inhibited the real me from uh, from manifesting its preferences. You know, like if you're just generally just adapted to what people want or what your perception is of what people want, then you're just you know being. I mean, there's there's really no way that you can really be yourself. It's maybe like the way that I'm interpreting for my for my for my own development is more in like asserting myself in situations yeah you know, actually establishing boundaries that i can feel comfortable no. with yeah saying no to things exactly mm-hmm. saying no to things uh, and uh for me in some ways it's like you know not being self-conscious about my accent uh even though like i don't know like sometimes i feel like i, I i've done pretty well with with it Sometimes I feel like it manifests itself a little bit stronger, strongly, whatever than 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 other occasions. Um, but but then there are times that I that I'm like constantly struggling with it. Like I remember, like not too long ago, I I I I, I was thinking like, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna join this firm or after yeah. I graduate, I should probably learn how to golf or play tennis. Oh my goodness! Uh, which which actually. If, if if I'm being honest with myself, sounds really fun. I don't I don't know how to do this, but uh, I don't know if the motivation is right. I don't know, like if the motivation is that that's the way I'm going to connect with people. Maybe it's not the right one, or that's the way that I can advance my career by actually being able to talk in this mainly uh, wealthy wasp white centers. Maybe that's the way to do it. Um, but then, then then it became a little bit bigger than that in the in 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 in, in the context of like oh maybe I should. Uh, you know, invest in some nice polo shirts, Lacoste, whatever, to, yeah. have to, to get that preppy look down. And the interesting thing is that I myself don't. I mean, I wouldn't mind wearing that kind of stuff because I'm pretty fluid with my with my with my with my with my with my outfits and and with with what I wear. And I think and I think I would I could feel comfortable with that. I don't think it's my outfit of choice, and I could do it from time to time. Uh, but it's the motivation that I just want to fit in the right one, right? Yeah. Like I could still pretty much fit in, uh, adhering to my standards of fashion uh, and my own conceptions of what looks good or not. And I don't really have to go to this um, stereotypical preppy look to be part of it. Or at least that's what I think right now. Maybe, maybe it is actually a bigger deal and maybe it, it actually does help. I mean, and and, and in, in, in some deeper level, it might, you know, like, it might be a signaling to the other folks that even though you are different uh, superficially, you still belong in, in, in the circles of, of power and wealth that you're trying to uh, infiltrate. <laughs> infiltrate yeah. is probably too strong of a word. Yeah. I hope that you, in a very ideal hippie world in my mind, I hope you don't have to conform. I hope they value your differences and you're able to infiltrate the circles that you're <laughs> intending to. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's reality or not. You, you're much more familiar with that world than I am. But um, I think the way the world is changing now, you have a better, I mean, I think each passing day, you have a better chance of being accepted for who you are when you're going into those situations but it's not perfect yet. 
That's an outsider. That's a guy from Ohio that has no law experience. <laughs> That's his perspective on it. But um, who knows, man? It's all right. You know, who knows? Who knows? I, I think I realize that. And I, and I think it's a good thing. Like At this point in life, I'm, 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 I'm still in, a, in, in search to find out who I really am. Yeah. You know, I think, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a worthless cause in the sense that there's no, worthless. Point in, no, no point in, 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 in creating parameters, you know, like I think most people themselves, they, they, they know some of the main, even if they cannot verbalize them, they know some of the main characteristics of what make them unique or what makes them different or what makes them who they are. Right. But then yeah. what I'm talking about is more of, of, of the outward uh, manifestations of that character. And, and to, simplify, to simplify it, I feel like there's some people that you could kind of, like when you see your parents sometimes, and I don't know if your parents do this, or like, some, or like this typical parent, like wearing like those um, clunky jeans and old new balances and tucked in polo shirt and that kind of look. Like I, I wonder, like at what point did they decide that that's how they want to express themselves through clothes, or maybe they don't think about expressing themselves through clothes, right? Yeah, that's just uh, and and it's more of an utilitarian view of that's this is this is this is this is a piece of clothing and it's comfortable to wear it like this and I just do it like this, um, right? And 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 I think for me, I'm I'm trying to place some sort of significance into into everything, you know. Into, yeah. into into all of the things that are 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 going to be related to me, be it my hair, which can be something that that is not that significant, which can also be something that that carries meaning, uh, be it the outfits that I will wear, uh, be it you know my 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 skin, whether I would tattoo myself or not, or have a piercing. I probably won't have a piercing, but maybe. Yeah. Maybe I thought, I've been considering a cool tattoo, but I'm 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 not sure where or when yet. Uh, and, and 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 I and I don't know how much weight I'm actually placing on these things, and I don't know how relevant they are, because at the at, at, after all, even after all those things, you still are who you are. Yeah. And I think your main characteristics will will shine or or will be present in whatever it is that you do, and. I think that's, I think if you listen to your, if you listen to your heart, <laughs> if you listen to your heart, like, listen to your heart, if you go with what your gut instincts are, I think you'll naturally end up where you want to be, which sounds oversimplified, but. That stuff is heavy, man. That's heavy. The that contrast of who you are, who you think you are, who you think the world, who what you think the world thinks of you, all these things mixed together. Yeah. I try I strive to be as close to whatever I want to be as much as I can, but we all have a desire to fit in. I think that's what drives a lot. Of, I'm not going to call them insecurities, but like these 
considerations for this kind of stuff. I, I, I don't think you would be thinking about half of the stuff that you listed if um, there is just no care for not just totally being yourself, but it's, it's messed up because there's a lot of pressure and expectations for you to be a certain type of thing. And it makes, for me at least, it makes me nervous sometimes trying to totally be myself, knowing that it might inhibit me from being able to do something or keep me away from getting something that I want. Um, and again, in the industry that you're in, I can see how that that pressure could, could just multiply. And also, as a as a person of color, I think we both have that additional layer on top of it. Um, you being an immigrant and uh well even like just being new to new york well i guess nobody from new york is really from new york but <laughs> not anymore it's too that's that's over with but you know what i'm saying there, there's that extra layer that makes that a little more difficult um but you know that that reminds me of something uh i have a question related to that but it's not from me I have a special guest question for you that I have recorded. And I'm going to send oh. it over to you right now. Who do you know this guy? Hey, Juan Diego, it's me. I wanted to ask you from one immigrant to another, what was the biggest culture shock for you when you first moved to the United States? Huh, interesting. How do you know him? <laughs> I don't. You don't? Uh-uh. I met him for this interview. How did you... Okay. Uh, should, should I answer? Baby. Should, should I... Okay. All right. That, that, that's really cool that you know that, that you just reach out to him. That's pretty chill. Uh, <laughs> he's such a cool person. We were just hanging out not too long ago. He got married not too long ago. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he asked me what was the biggest culture shock. And I think the biggest culture shock when I came here was how people related to each other and what people laughed at. So in a way, their, their perception of, of comedy. Uh, and I don't, I don't really have a sophisticated answer to that, but it was it, because I, I don't think I've given it that much thought. Uh, but it was more of, of, of the fact that I really couldn't relate to the jokes that people were sharing, uh, to the reference that they were making. So maybe it was, it was more of the broader media context that, that surrounded uh, people at that age. So 14, 15, uh, even though American media uh, permeates almost everywhere in the world and you will get things, uh, from the states and i would watch stupid shows at that age I, what what did i watch i remember two and a half fucking men i think i remember i used to watch that <laughs> show. men 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 there you go yeah what happened to john crier uh, not important uh, <laughs> he's my next interview 
There you go. That's, that's a great. <laughs> tell him I say hi. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think at that time, like you know, kids, the the, the shows that that made an impression on them, and then the movies that made an impression on them were not familiar to me. So like relating to people and being in a conversation with people and understanding the jokes that people were making was incredibly difficult. Uh, and then you have to add the layer of the language that, you know, you yeah. don't really master the language and you have to, so you're connecting bits and pieces. And when you're referencing a noun uh, and, if, and it's something that you don't really know what it is, then you, you think of it as, as, a, as a, you try to find a, a, the, the dictionary definition of it, not, not what it actually is. Um, so yeah, that was that was the that was the that was the biggest shock, I think. Uh, now, <laughs> now I'm I'm pretty sure I'm pretty. I mean, I'm I'm an American. I became an American in 2016, I think. And now the 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 conflict is is different. It's more of how much of my own culture am I giving up uh, to integrate or, or to be part of, 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 of this new culture and, and how much is okay, how much is not. And that has something that, that, that I've been th thinking about a lot recently. Yeah. Uh, you know, like sometimes you realize that, okay, well, Spanish is my main language. I feel completely proficient in Spanish. I, I talk to Spanish all the time to my family, but it's not the professional language that I will use most of the time, even though I do intend to practice in Spanish. And that's one of the main reasons that uh, made me actually want to do law school is the fact that the firm that I was working in had a huge practice in Latin America, so they did a lot of work in Spanish. Uh, but when your dominant language is, uh, when you're constantly practicing your dominant language, I think your uh, your native language suffers eventually, and you start yeah. realizing that you forget words, and it starts annoying you. And, and and even though you do, you actively try to maintain it. So I I, I try to read as much as I can in Spanish there's only, I mean, you have limited time during the day, you know, like I'm yeah. also trying to read a bunch of books in English. I'm also trying to keep up with my, with my actual readings for classes and I have to write a shit ton of stuff for school. So then like, then you, you then you start prioritizing other things and then you realize that your freaking vocabulary is suffering and you, and, and, and for myself, maybe I'm too judge. I'm, 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 I, I know I am too harsh on myself sometimes. I, I fucking hate it. Yeah. You know? I like, oh man, I have to go to Google and make sure I, I know how to say farm or something. So I know how to say farm. But like that, that's the first word that came yeah. uh, into my mind. Uh, or that I'm, you know, making sure that the sentence that I'm, that I'm writing right now makes absolute sense. Uh, yeah, that, that's something that I'm dealing with right now. Uh, not too long ago, I was talking to Natty, uh, and you know her, right? Did you meet her ever? Once in DC. Once. And then uh, we follow each other on Instagram. So friends, you know, Instagram friends. That counts. Yeah. Uh, she's Colombian too, but she was born here. Uh, so there's yeah. some differences there. And we sometimes make like, you know, stupid jokes. It's like, oh, you're more American than me. She'll tell me because of, of references to like pop culture things that I have absorbed through my time here uh, that she doesn't, uh, that she hadn't. Uh, and it's good it's well intention and it's good and i like it i like to hear that i like to know that but then you start thinking of uh, what point is, is is my absorbing this americanness uh detrimental to and this is an abstract thing my colombianness you know yeah. 
and how much can they uh, maintain? What, what, I mean, and you can, they, it, like they're not exclusive by any means. They're not. And that's something that you kind of come, and, and then you have to like keep telling yourself because they aren't. Uh, but it's, it's, it's also almost impossible unless you maintain, you know, constant travels and connections there to, to, to keep up with, with everything there. Like, you know, you just can't, like, there's not enough time for me to like, even though most of the time there is, you know, like I, like my, my daily news check is going to like the Colombian newspapers online and then going to the U S newspapers online just to keep myself yeah. informed. But it, it's still not, uh, it's, it, like not being there just just by not being there you just don't get the complete picture of things right just right. as by not being in the united states you're not going to understand everything that's happening here yeah so that's a long answer to that question and i'm impressed that you reach out to rodrigo and i i'm going to talk to him afterwards i'm going to ask him about <laughs> it because this is pretty cool he was happy to help I'm, ha- I'm sure he was he's a lovely person yeah yeah, I hope to meet him sometime. But I I know you have a hard a hard stop at eight ten, and I just want to say thanks again, Juan, for for doing this. This is so. I I love all of my interviews for different reasons, but this one was very in depth. This was this is a very deep conversation, and I wish we had even more time, but. Um, now that we've had this talk, I hope we continue to talk more in the future. This is this is a really good time. Absolutely. And buddy. keep me updated on everything you got going on, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Same, same, same to you. Likewise. Uh, I love you. I support you. Uh, your card, your birthday card for my last birthday, the John Millennium <laughs> one, was uh, by far my favorite one. You killed uh, it. It was so fucking funny. <laughs> that reference to that joke was great. Uh, thank you. One of my dreams is to run into him in this in the in a like in the city because this this NYU is close to where he lives, like in the West Village. I just hope to run into him one day, and then I don't I don't really want to talk to him because I don't want to ruin things for him and I don't want to be awkward. I just want to look at I just want to see him. Yeah. Weird semblance and know that he's aware of every cross street and he's going to reference that in a joke eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciated that when you did that. And best of luck, buddy. Thank you. If you see John, give him a nod for me. And uh, I hope to talk to you again soon. And definitely when this pandemic's over, I would, I will at least visit New York sometime soon. I, I gotta see you. You're welcome to crash in my place, buddy. Thank sure. you.